Hello, hello, welcome back. Some people come into your life and change it forever. Today's guest, Janice, she is that person for me. I met her 13 years ago when I moved to Hawaii, became pregnant, and took her childbirthing class. She really, really teaches with all her heart and soul. She really cares about every single of her students, and we became friends quickly. She was an immense source of knowledge and support for me, not only during my birth in Hawaii, but also during my second pregnancy and birth when I moved back to California. So we have become lifelong friends, and I am so excited that she is on with us today to share all her wisdom and her stories. So welcome, Janice. So happy to have you on. Well, thank you, Anya. It's, a, it's great to be here. You know, your introduction, yes, we go back years and years and years. And, and actually, the way you came into my life pretty much launched you into being uh, very active about the whole normal birthing experience and women's health and our rights and everything too. So, you know, um, and I'm very happy because I have to mentor the younger generations because I'm not going to be here forever. So the way that I got into this really, really, and shows you that that childbirth work is my destiny is when I was four and a half years old, my mother brought a baby home and I said, where did you get the baby? And she (laughs) said, I found her under a rock. So we're going to call her Judy Bug, which we did. We called her Judy Bug. She still goes out and she's probably 69, 70 years old now. But um, I wasn't a stupid four and a half year old. And she told me she found the baby under a rock. And I said, because I was observant, was your stomach the rock? Well, my mother just about had a flying fit. Of course, my stomach wasn't the rock. But I watched my mother have a big fluffy stomach. And now she didn't. And I knew on that day that my mother had lied to me about what it meant to be a woman. Now I had yet to be old enough to to notice the women's revolution, the sexual revolution. But I'm four and a half years old and my mother has lied to me about what it means to be a woman. And that started my quest to find out what that meant. So when I was in second grade, pregnant cat showed up on our doorstep. Can you keep her? Can you keep her? Can you keep her? And we did keep her. And unlike most domestic and wild animals, she let us watch her give birth which I think was a divine experience because it was the next stepping stone to me finding out what it meant to be a woman because by this time I may not have had the whole mammal thing figured out, but um, she had gone through the little slats of this of the side um, yard and made a nest in the sour grass and then there was the neighbor's garage. So my mother said, don't talk to her and don't touch her. And which I still give that advice to people about women in labor, because when a mammal is laboring, there's a hormone called oxytocin. It makes your uterus contract. And if you talk at or to or around a laboring mammal, labor stops Hmm. because the brain says, "Okay, if you're doing something else, I'm not going to be in labor now. And then when you get quiet and peaceful in a cathedral-like atmosphere again, and I watched this little cat. She wasn't even a year old. Her name was Missy. And she would take a deep breath and sigh 
And then she would look off into the ethers with this glassy look and you'd see her tummy squeeze in and you could see the little lumps of the little kitties and eventually one came out. So totally on instinct without the slightest bit of anything to fear because cats don't go to the cat grocery store and have total strangers pat them on their cat tummies and tell them how bad kitten birth is gonna be. Totally on instinct without an ounce of fear I watched her give birth to these little kitties. She knew on instinct to go down and, and break the amniotic sac with her rough tongue and then lick the baby all over its face to put her scent on it. And then the baby would move off toward a nipple, which is how I treat best breastfeeding too. You don't have to have all these crazy positions and, and all these rules about breastfeeding. You just let put the baby near the nipple and it'll open its mouth and it will latch perfectly. So, and then she'd give birth to another kitty. And I just watched this process and I was probably seven years old at this point. And though I didn't have the spirituality of the universe figured out yet, I knew it was the holiest, most sacred thing I'd ever seen was this cat give birth to kittens. Um, after I had that experience in second grade, I, long before there was a movie, where a woman in the movie says, and this is when Harry met Sally, if you haven't seen it, you see it. So you know where this phrase comes from. I'll have what she's having. That's the phrase, I'll have what she's having. And I said to myself, someday I'm gonna do that. And I'm in second grade. So now, you know, you're growing up, you know, you go through the things where you need to find out about the birds and the bees. And my mother did it. Well, she did the job that she did. And, 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 um, and, you know, then I got into my teens and I graduated in 1967. So the birth control pill was not available till 1960. And natural, the term natural childbirth, which is not a term I use for what I do, started to be being talked about. And I said, well, if, if it came close to the definition of what my cat did, someday I'll have what she's having. And I did when it was my time. And all my friends, we all read, thank you, Dr. Lamas. And I also read a book that was by Marjorie Carmel. And then I read a book called uh, Joy of Natural Childbirth by Helen Wessel. And both of those books, when I got pregnant in 1975, told me my body works, just get out of the way and let it. When, I, when it came time to have that baby, my friends and I all read Thank You, Dr. Lamaze, which said, and, and in those two books that I read, it also said, find a fully certified instructor. Don't go to the hospital class. It's free by your house. And I was two blocks away from St. Joseph's Hospital in Orange and the class was free and it was two nights that told the dads where to get the, the uh, elevator to the cafeteria so they got hungry when she was in labor and where to go to smoke because people were smoking. Oh. But I, I, and I couldn't believe it. And my friends had horrifying births, but you know, the old philosophy, as long as the baby's healthy and the mother's healthy and you forget the pain. I don't ever want to forget one exquisite moment of any of my labors or births because I was so empowered. And what I did is I took, I, I had to find a real Lamaze class, a fully certified instructor. I had to call New York and the phone calls weren't free. And then I found a number in Los Angeles and I got a number for a teacher in Long Beach. And I went and we paid money and sat on the floor. We have the cushy auditorium like St. Joseph's. And we walked in on May 5th, 1976. And the nurses kept saying, what is this? Where did you learn this? What is this? You know, my husband kept shushing them. It was real Lamaze. The Lamaze that came out of France in the 50s by way of Russia that got to the United States in the 1960s, you know, birth control pill, sexual revolution, natural childbirth. Um, Lamaze has never identified as that term, but, but anyway, that's how I got here. And I held my baby in my arms that night and I knew a couple of things. One is, if I can do this, I can do anything. 
Number two, my mother doesn't know anything about what makes me tick, but I do. I met my authentic self. And um, and num and uh, and then number three, I could have changed careers. I was already teaching at a college level first and in a college. And I went to UC Irvine and I did all the stuff that it took to become certified and started my first classes through the Santa Ana College system. So then you started teaching Lamas classes. Yes. My first Lamas classes through that. And then in 1988, I taught about 12,000 couples through them and privately and moved to Hawaii in 1988. In 19, after I moved to Hawaii, I became a high school teacher for um, a pregnant teen program. And I taught summer school teen health and sex ed for years and years. And then I worked at a bunch of hospitals in Hawaii. Yeah. So my high school, I did go back to teaching high school, but this time it was a pregnant teen program and teen health summer school classes. Yeah. And uh, the passion behind your teaching, I, I mean, I will never forget. They will never forget walking into that room. I couldn't take my eyes off you like listening every word there was so much behind it i couldn't wait for the next session to start and go back and get more information how many couples did you teach over the years do you know i i have the because i have registration cards for everybody i have taught about eleven thousand couples oh wow how to birth and breastfeed gently and i love that you brought up the word passion because um I, I taught in almost all the hospitals on the island of Oahu, but one in particular where I did most of my work in the same town where I taught pregnant, pregnant teen program, and the boss would come to me and say, I really appreciate your passion, but, and when you say but, you have now erased what you've just said. Right. Because the longer I taught, the more that the medical uh, philosophy of compliant patient who asks no questions became prominent. So, you know, I like to say for much of my career, I have been in what uh, John Lewis, the famous congressman said, I've been in good trouble. I was always in trouble. I was always in trouble because I was telling the truth. And when I moved to, back to California in 19, uh, I mean, in 2014, my husband and I moved back here to retire. We're in his childhood home. I don't think I'm ever going to retire. I mean, there are too many people that I want to be around because I learn from my students so much too. And, and, and my students keep me young, but um, you know, uh, I, I now here, I, I worked, I've worked for two hospitals since I've been back. One recruited me before I even was on, you know, had a California driver's license before I left Hawaii. And it was a very, 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 very large hospital conglomerate. And the boss told me they had no, no convenience inductions, no unnecessary cesareans, and the staff highly followed people's wishes on their birth plan. And it was all a lie. She was just desperate for a teacher. So yes, uh, Janice, I want to dig deeper into that. So tell us what you are so passionate about and why you got in trouble. And tell us how you teach the breastfeeding, what you teach the couples, because it's so impactful. Well, first of all, and I didn't really learn this till I was in, in uh, training to become a Lamaze teacher. We have rights as patients. Now we haven't always had rights. I mean, I was born in 1949 and the Equal Rights Amendment, I, I, the reason I decided to be a public school teacher was the only job I could go into with equal pay for equal work. But um, 
there was a book called The Rights of Pregnant People that I read during my training. And I thought, oh my God. So when I went to my doctors in my first pregnancy and said, I don't want to lie on my back. I don't want to have my arms tied down. And the condescending answers that I got, it was like, then I got fired up because I knew that there were places you could go to read what your rights are. Every hospital has a patient bill of rights. And if you're going to a hospital, ask, call them or ask your doctor to provide you with a copy of your particular birthplace's um, patient bill of rights. And they will, you know, if you call the hospital, say, oh, you don't have to worry about that. They'll give it to you when you get here. And you say, no, I want it now because you're in labor when you get there. You're not reading, you know. And then there's also something called and, and then eventually there became something called the Speak Up campaign by the um, by the Joint Commission. The Joint Commission is the entity in the United States that accredits hospitals, visits them and checks if they're following the rules, uh, finds them, puts them on probation, can close their doors, et cetera. And the Patient Bill of Rights, excuse me, the, um, the Joint Commission's um, Speak Up campaign, you can Google it tells you you have a right to respect, to be listened to, to have a say-so in your care. And those things that are in inherent rights for a patient are not practiced in mainstream American um, obstetrical care. That is why when you take a, a class from a certified instructor, and honestly, I have to recommend dinosaur instructors that are at least 40 years old, because training programs to certify childbirth educators today is a Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday morning, read books, study for a test now, and if you pass it, you're a childbirth educator. I was, I was in a program for two years through UC Irvine, uh, six or seven months in class every week, much reading to do, teach facts, student teaching, writing a syllabus, and it took me two years to get the final full certification. And so it's all about money. So the reason I would say go to a, 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 a childbirth educator that's got some experience, um, and I am planning, I've got the outline right here, is to um, do a course in uh, one of the community colleges around here for people who would like to work in, in the childbearing you know, field. Whether that is, is, is then go on to be a doula, go on to take a childbirth certification. But because some of these trainings are so sparse, move them in, charge them a big chunk of money, move them out, put, hang up the shingle. There's, there's just tons of really, really poor information. And, um, you know, I approached my doctor with my first baby and I said, I don't want to have my arms tied down. And very condescendingly, he said, well, they're just little wristlets like ski poles. I said, I don't, I don't want ski pole wristlets around my arms. And then he said to me, well, you especially will be completely out of control because you're planning to do it without drugs. And I said, oh, why would I be out so of control when I'm pushing my baby out? And now I say to him, the big, the big thing, because pushing is the part that feels good. And he looked at me. And for anybody listening to this podcast, there are at least seven physiologic reasons. Six is available to every woman. Seven, because if you take a class from me, I raise your pain tolerance level. I show you I show you how you can raise your pain tolerance level. So if you have a pain tolerance level that's now higher than the rafters in Home Depot, and you start having birth sensations, it takes a long time before you're even saying, oh, these are starting to get strong because you yes. literally change your pain tolerance level. So this doctor says, you, and he put his hands up like this. He said, and you will reach my sterile gloved hands, which meant the birth was about him. 
And I want to tell anybody listening, nobody, no woman, or uh, let me be politically put, no person with the capacity to be pregnant has ever reached for the sterile gloved hands of an obstetrician. We reach for our baby. And that was beyond him. Luckily, his partner um, was there when I delivered and he was a lot younger and you know, I'm sure he didn't believe that I would be smiling and conversational as I pushed my baby out because the nurses were blown away. Well, who, where did you learn this? And they say, well, we have Lamas. And I said, no, you don't. This is Lamas. Hmm. So sadly, you know, years and years ago, the Lamas or the people, the members of the Lamas organization said, never use our name Lamas in the title because it'll become a household word. And so people say Lamas this, Lamas this. I'm capital Lamas, not lowercase Lamas. And, um, and anyone who uses the term Lamaze needs to be a certified Lamaze instructor, which I am. So, you know, the passion is that, of course, I'm a child of the 60s. I'm, a, you know, I was horrified at my mother's opinion, my mother's generation and how they just, you know, men told them what to do, and, you know, all of that. And um, because my generation, was the generation of questioning authority and the sexual revolution. And if it feels good, do it, make love, not war, that, you know, and so we were questioning authority. So in between babies, because I have three of them, I went to a new hospital in Orange County. I left St. Joseph's and I went to another hospital that's changed names over the years, but they built it from the ground up and they asked women what they wanted when they gave birth in this hospital. And so I went over there and I had this young, you know, Jewish hippie doctor that I'm still friends with. And he, and he wanted to know what his patients wanted for birth, mm -hmm. you know, but he's retired now. And, and uh, that's how it should be. Yeah. It's how it should be, but it's become about totally about controlling money. And I think the problem is that by now, a lot of women are so scared because they've heard all these horror stories. A lot of nursing students take my classes and I say, go back to your professor and ask her to list three of the seven reasons why pushing feels good. And, I, and anybody in medicine will say, well, it's like you're finally doing something. You're not having to be passive. And that is not the answer. This is maybe the first three. Anybody who wants to know the other four, they can come and take my class. Number one, the vagina is made like an accordion. It's structured to stretch. Number two, you have the hormone relaxin that is in you know, massive and more massive and more massive doses, especially in labor. And it makes, so you're already stretchy accordion while vagina makes it even stretchier. And here's the killer. When I was 15 and I started using tampons, the instructions in the Tampax box said that the reason you can't feel a tampon um, is because the, the back three quarters of the vagina is, is void of nerve endings. They don't say that anymore because I've got, and, I, and I'm going to have to call the director of education for Tampax International or something because they say because the, the muscles at the front uh, um, hold it in. That does not talk about the fact that three quarters mm -hmm. of the vagina is void of, of nerve endings. So those are, people learn that on the first lesson with me, which is like, that was worth the money you spent for the whole class just to hear that. When women understand their bodies, then we can honor them. Yes. But the truth about women's bodies, first of all, is not taught in medical or nursing school in, in obstetrics. 
And so, I mean, because I've had lots of doctors and nurses, and I remember this one doctor who followed me out during the break. It was a lady pediatrician. She was, Janice, you've just taught us pushing. And now I know all the seven reasons, seven reasons why pushing feels good. Why don't they teach us this in medical school? Why do they teach us to make women lie on their back so they have to push the babies out of the floor? I said, honey, you're going to have to ask your medical school professors. And people have said, do you ever go and talk to give these lectures to the residents? I said, nobody's asked me. I mean, that can only be because it's easier for the doctor, right? That's why they put you on the back. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to put you on the back and have you push your baby up and out. Well, I, I did teach that lesson just the other night, and um, it actually, the lithotomy position for birth was started in the late 1600s, 1700s in France, when there was a French obstetrician who got rid of all the midwives and started having women birth on their backs, and then Queen Louis, the, not Queen, King Louis the Sixteenth got wind of it and had his court physician deliver the mistress, his mistresses and wives' babies so he could peek through a curtain. So the lithotomy position for birth started as a male sexual perversion. And then it became a habit. Oh my God. And that's, and I don't want you to reach my sterile gloved hands. You know, I don't want to birth on my back. Well, that's how the table is. Then things happened like the hospital in Santa Ana that from the ground up said, now it's not like that anymore, you know, because the, you know, it's changed hands and, and all of that. But that, and then I show a movie in my class that was made in a small hospital in Florida where, where, a lot of the Lamaze teachers, certified Lamaze teachers, also nurses on the floor, and the doctors were young and hip. And they asked the women, how do you want to do this? And they, for the first time, they were walking the halls. We got freedom of movement. If we were low risk, we didn't have to have all the, we didn't have to have continuous fetal monitoring and IVs. But, um, you know, the mentality is, and I remember one of my students was told, she, the doctor said, well, if all the technology's there, why don't you? But wouldn't you want to use it? And the truth is, the reason America is so low on the scale of, of you know, maternal and infant morbidity and mortality means injury or death, is because intervention begets intervention begets intervention begets intervention. If you could avoid the first intervention, she's on the phone this morning with a lady. I said, well, they're just reading you the script that I told you about in class. 36 weeks. You say, well, you know, at 40 weeks, we can start talking about your induction day. And... And, and she was, the woman was very upset this morning. So I walked her through it again. I said, remember, I told you it's exactly what they're going to say to every woman. The minute she turns 40 weeks, she's gonna, they're going to start saying things like, well, you know, after, 40, after 41 weeks, the stillbirth rate doubles from one to two and two ten thousand. That's the doubling of the stillbirth rate. But you hear that, oh my God, if I go one minute after 41 weeks and now the stillbirth rate doubles and that yeah, does not doesn't it, qualify whether it's someone with prenatal care or not prenatal care it's just this fear thing one thing that just pops into my head that i remember you said in class and i feel like we have to share it here i said it in a mom's group one time talking about um you know wanting to get the baby out to avoid the interventions and i said what janice taught us is what gets the baby in gets the baby out. Well, when Michelle O'Donnell, the famous water birth, father of modern water birth, says, he says, the energy gets the baby in, gets the baby out. It's oxytocin. You know, it's oxytocin, which happens in orgasm, uterine contractions, and milk letdown. 
Oh, the whole, whole other world of how I teach breastfeeding, which is called yes. instant breastfeeding, which is, which is not the American method. American method breastfeeding. And there's a reason why this happened since the 60s, because we missed it 15 years without breastfeeding. We came back to it. We came back to it wrong. And so we breastfeed so wrong in America that we've had to create this whole new vocation called a breastfeeding specialist. And I've got those credentials behind my name. When I took the training to get those credentials, I finally said on the fourth day to these nurses teaching, I said, but the way you were advising us to handle women with breastfeeding completely negates the baby's instincts. And this nurse said to me, oh, Janice, when we teach it this way, we don't, they don't have to use their instincts. And I wish I had said to this lady that was teaching this training class, because it's perfect. I wish I'd said to her, do you remember your first kiss? Anya, do you remember your first kiss? I do. And I, I remember my first kiss too. Would that kiss have been better if his mother and your mother were moving your lips together to make sure that when your lips got together, they would be perfect? No, because kissing is driven by oxytocin. And you can fumble around a little bit with it, but pretty quick you get a hang of it. <clears throat> and uh, in that training that I took, I kept raising my hands right, right from the first hour. I'd ask a question and the nurses go, I don't know. No one's ever asked that question before. So then during the breaks and the lunches, the, the young women would come in and say, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Um, I said, I do. And they said, well, why are you taking this class? I said, I'm taking it. I'm paying the money to get the credentials. Now, granted, I did learn some very clinical things for, you know, out in left field situations that can happen with breastfeeding. And that was helpful. But in terms of me helping a mom and a baby, all you need to do is three solid weeks of breastfeeding the way I will teach you. And you can pick up that baby and a tiny diaper bag and you can get on the plane and you can go to Timbuktu and you'll have the quiet baby on the plane. But you got to take the first three weeks and I will teach you exactly how to do that. So you know, I have a website. I have classes. I'm, um, you know, you can go to the website. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of between webmaster, so I've kind of got a temporary one up. But it tells you the dates, and you know, and I do it on Zoom. And Perfect. you know, what? you know what? I have no boundaries when it comes to that. And the other thing is that all pregnant women have a lowered immune system, and here's why. It's just like if you had a heart, lung, kidney transplant. They would put you on drugs to suppress your immune system so you don't reject the transplanted organ. Your baby is like a transplanted organ. So you're, you automatically have a lower immune system. So the days of in-person classes will not be over because hospital, you know, people are going to do it. But I am supporting the fact that we need to stay healthy. And um, of course, you know, people say, well, some people think COVID is over. You know, I just got it three months ago so finally after after three years of avoiding it but a pregnant woman has a lowered immune system so I will finish my career which I don't see it coming close to I mean I'm 74 years old Anya and um and uh, I you know I got to train some more women to to get this passion because it's in there yeah you just live in America where women are told we don't count at all I'm not going to go into the details, but if you have noticed, this is not a country that honors the journey of the female. So I asked my mother, where right. the baby? I found her under a rock. I want to say, no, you didn't. I want to know exactly. 
but I didn't have the words for that. And so my journey to find out what it means to be a woman, and I'm still learning, still learning, because every era of a woman's life is, is magic. So when I taught pregnant teens, I had a lot of disasters, but I had some fabulous girls that let teen pregnancy be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. And then the minute a woman turns 35, they start labeling her a geriatric pregnancy. That's just because men don't understand that women. Jesus Christ's mother was 14 when she had Jesus. She did a really good job. And so I believe, you know, and I treated my teen pregnant teens with lots of respect. I said, don't let's go to the point and have the doctor talk to your mother. The doctor talks to you. And um, because every era of a woman's life brings different gifts. So for doctors to decide, and they used to call us if we were 30 and hadn't had a baby and when I was first having babies in the 70s. Um, elderly primips, primips oh. from primapare first being pregnant with the Latin, and then and then they had to move it because so many women were delaying pregnancy because we have choices now. What happens to my body? Then now it was 35, and they called that um, um, uh, advanced maternal age. And then now, if you're 40, then they have to keep moving it by five increments because women are every era we have, you know, gifts to give our child, and now it's called a geriatric pregnancy. But I counter that with a favorite phrase of mine in the development of the embryo. For a while, the genitals are called the indifferent penis. Of course, it is named after the penis until it, you know, goes whichever way. So I, you know, I'll get them with indifferent penis. You call me a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> so, um, and I tell that to my my mom. Well, they're telling me that I, in my age, I said, your age, God gave us periods from 12 to 52 because God trusts us in her oh. wisdom to bring so the good. Gift of motherhood so good see we need you to keep sharing all that information and reach as many women as possible one more thing i want to ask you so you are writing a book you just told me before we I'm started okay so quickly tell us about the books well i'm writing i have a book that i'm writing called the accidental lamas teacher because how i became you know like i have a baby and suddenly i'm probably calling from the recovery room I need to enroll in your program um I you know I didn't see from you know four and a half that I was headed in this direction but you know that I was the right place at the right time teaching adult education and I'm I much prefer high school and adult education to junior high school because high school kids and especially adults come to class because they want to unlike junior high school kids right. bother to show up and and then I'm going to write, um, you know, my dad says doula book. And I don't want any of you doulas to get upset because it's called dads and other cool people as doula. There is a belief, and it's mainly among the nurse educators, that men cannot step, step up to the plate and do this. And I've been fighting it since the beginning of my teaching. They would, there are all sorts of things Lama's organization did. Well, maybe then the men will engage more. And I say, you have trouble getting the men to engage because I don't. And I, and I ran with a bunch of really cool childhood educators in Orange County, and we didn't have trouble engaging the men. And most classes, they said, we'll be encouraging, tell a good job. Said, that is not, I teach my students to birth in communion with their birth partners. And I don't care who your birth partner is. You know, I've got every combination. and They're so colorful and wonderful because we all have so many gifts for our children. So I, um, and then, so I'm going to, I write a book called Dads and Other Cool People as Doula that goes with the workbook for my class. That if you can take my class online, they will all be coordinated. And I want, and I have a daily reflections kind of book 
there's nothing but empowerment about mm -hmm. pregnancy. I mean, there's something, you know, the um, not, um, the uh, chicken soup for the those books, there's one for pregnancy and every story is a horror story. Chicken soup for the soul about being pregnant and being in labor and there, it is nothing but cover to cover. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and then, um, and then, uh, um, a daily reflection. Oh, and the sex ed book. I'm writing a sex ed book. That is the craze that I used my daughter, who's a doula in Arizona. You know her. And um, uh, I say, Katie, there's much work still to be done. Oh, yeah. And I guess I'm going to have to wait till you and my kids are pulling me off the stage with a vaudeville hook, because as long as this passion is like this, <laughs> and you know, it doesn't go away. It's like, like this is not This is, other people call it the Janice show. This is the message I want to give to women that we are fabulous. I've seen your show and I loved walking into your class and you 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 said every single time, okay, we got to get started because the class is three hours, but I have information for five hours to get into three hours. And there was so much information. So yeah. I'm going to link your website to the show notes so people can reach out to you and yeah. see what you have to offer and how they can work with you because it's definitely- That's fabulous. You know, I- I keep my online classes to nine or fewer couples because if you get more than that, I cannot give the personal attention. And my class is now a nine event course. It's six three hour in-person Zoom, um, a, a, another Lamaze lesson, but it's not interactive. So it's on a tape. And then there's a, oh, this, you'd love this, Tanya. It's an hour and 15 minute labor and birth rehearsal. And I pose little situations and then you think, oh, what should we do? And I say, oh, if you decided to do this, then you're on track. If you did this, oh. we'll do And it's really fun. And then what I do is I do a one-on-one -on -one Zoom meeting with each couple, you know, prior to their due date to do all of their last minute questions. And this, this oh. structure has evolved because of COVID. So, you know, there yeah, are some that's things that happened because I think I'm giving my, my students a, a more personal um, course you know, because uh, there was another hospital I worked for in Orange County and I was having 25 couples in it. I can't do any personal attention. And and that's not me. I'm going to tell you the truth. Oh, and and uh, the first hospital I talked about working in since I came back to California, um, I had to quit. And I said, I have to quit because you want me to teach a curriculum that's a lie. And they didn't know what to do with me. Good for you, but that's good. Yeah. You know. And then the other one fired me in October because I was telling the truth about childbirth and the doctors didn't want it. We don't yep. want them to know this stuff. You know, to be forbidden to teach breastfeeding, but you cannot use the term in, uh, infant's instincts and you teach breastfeeding. I said, well, then I can't teach breastfeeding. Yeah, that doesn't go together. Yeah. So there's the Janice show, Anya. I know you've heard it, but. Yeah, I, Janice. It goes on. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all this. I'm sure many, many, many women are going to be so excited to have that information. And again, I'm going to post your website and everything. So, And if they're interested in a, a course, it'll probably be a 12-week course. It'll be on Zoom. They're going to do with the community college because you would like to go into the field of, of helping women in pregnancy, whether it's a volunteer doula or go on to get there's something called a latch duel that I'm going to train women for just to be there when the birth is to hold the people back oh. so no one's talking to the mother no one's touching the mother or the baby and have a just you know and I'm so I'm working on that that thing so lots of ways to work like you are I mean you're finding your niche to make sure that women count yeah thank you so much Janice thank awesome. you guys thank you.